0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back in. Uh, This Saturday morning, we kick off a brand new feature show on this program called Flyway Foul Mouth Radio, hosted by myself along with Josh Goins. And we're going to tell you all about the Flyway Federation And also we're going to discuss some of these trends that we're seeing in the migration for waterfowl in North America and maybe discuss some possible solutions. One thing we definitely want to do is we want to include you, the listener, take down this phone number. Please call us, 504-260-6368, if you have something you'd like to add to the conversation. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. It's 504-260-6368. We also have a live text board that comes directly into the studio, Eight seven zero eight seven zero. Tell us who you are, where you are, and your comment, question, or suggestion. Let me introduce Josh Goins, who is co-host of this program. Josh, thanks for being with us. How you doing out in the duck blind this morning?
2: Not that good, Don. It is a very slow morning.
1: And where are you hunting?
2: I am at my place, my marsh, uh in Cameron Parish, close to Sabine Refuge.
1: Uh-huh. We've uh, kind of bounced around and checked a little bit, and uh, they had some successes this morning uh, over there at uh, uh Blake Swallow and his crew had a fairly decent hunt, mostly teal. green wing teal made up most of it. And then Darren Digby with a surprisingly good hunt in the fog down in Klondike. Uh, they're wrapping up a limit. Actually had a couple of mallards in it, but... Other areas, North Shore, Lake Pontchartrain, uh, down by uh, Delacroix, Carnarvon, uh, still pretty slow over there. Now, you're telling us your area is slow, too, and I guess a lot of reasons. And that's the reason for this program is to talk about the declining trends in in waterfowl migration here in Louisiana. Josh, if you would, let's let's start off by talking about the Flyway Federation. What is the Federation? Why was it formed? What's its mission? And, And who belongs to it? Who makes it up?
2: Well, Flyway Federation is it's a nonprofit organization, and it was formed to help and be the voice of all waterfowl hunters. People are, you know, seeing this problem all over the United States. And at first I just thought it was Louisiana and, uh, and maybe, you know, southeast Texas because you, you live in a small box, you know, wherever you're hunting. That's where you think all the problems are. But after receiving phone call after phone call and email, people are seeing this problem all over the United States. So we formed this to have a voice for waterfowl hunters to try to fix what's going on with the migration and give fair chase back into the flyway. And
1: so how many members and how broad of an area does it cover?
2: Well, it's growing daily. Um, we have right at 11,000 followers on Facebook. And I, I honestly think that Facebook has started uh, started uh, not counting everyone that's going on the page. That we're, we're getting more and more people daily, but yet the number's not moving. So I don't understand about that. But we have around 260 paying members so far. And people are starting to find out about it i'm I'm now receiving emails and phone calls from people in Missouri and Arkansas and all over Texas and mississippi so it's 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 growing it's a grassroots organization and uh we hope to be able to make a big change and help everyone out and most importantly help the North American waterfowl.
1: Well, I, I got to agree with you on the uh, miscalculations on some of the numbers for likes and followers and YouTube and uh, hits and all. That. I don't know how accurate all that stuff is because I've seen a lot of questionable things. I don't think it's an ironclad number that those those things track. But uh, you know, certainly your organization is is one that is growing. Um, a lot of people have been responding to it. And, you know, you got to admit, I don't think without social media that there would ever be a flyaway federation. But you're exactly right. Everybody kind of lives in their own little world. And in the past, you would you know, maybe chat with somebody or talk with somebody on the phone. But now, with the advent of social media, the Internet and Facebook... Uh, people share things instantly over a broad expanse of, of territory, and I think a lot of people have discovered similar situations in their area applying to many other places, thus the Federation's birth. Tell me about the mission. What What is the, the mission of the Federation? Exactly. I know you mentioned a little bit, but if you could be more specific and let people know, what is the Federation driving to do? You're not looking to acquire property or even, you know, spend money in managing, uh, but, but but maybe, you know, getting people together to voice their opinion and have some impact of the people who are the movers and shakers and, and designers of our waterfowl management.
2: You're right, Don. We, uh, our, our main goal is to fix, The regulations to get them back right to give fair chase into the flyway. And that is the number one goal because we have to do that to have this sport that we love so much to be able to do it. And from there, if we are successful in, you know, establishing, you know, certain rules, changing them back or or at least meeting in the middle on these things, we would love to start going into the WMAs and the refuges all over the country, especially here in Louisiana that has basically been abandoned and forgot about and the funding, you know, fighting for that, trying to get these guys help to be able to fix the pumps, to fix the levees and, and make our marshes back like they once were.
1: Josh, you came on this program last season uh, at the same time, we had uh, the top biologists from a couple of conservation organizations, Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl, and, and they pretty much stick to their guns, as does our Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And I would think, I haven't talked to managers from other states, but they say that the reason for this decline, and I'd like to get you to point out some of the trends that the research has shown, um, that this decline is strictly weather and habitat loss related. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people that disagree with that. What are some of the things that have opened your eyes and and some of the other people who belong to the Federation to lead you to believe that this is more, much more, than a weather and habitat loss problem?
2: Well, Don, we have Dr. Mark Merchant, who has been very helpful in uh, looking over all the data, checking everything out. You can look at the weather data. And, yeah, we've had cold years. We've had hot years. That that fluctuates in cycles. Now, you can look at our habitats. We have lost habitat, and we need to fix that habitat. But I'm sitting here in my marsh, and it's beautiful, but there is not a duck in sight. So what majorly has changed is the birds not making the trip. And that's what we have to focus on is why aren't they making the trip? And then talking to to the guys up further north of us, they're saying that they're not even making the trips from field to field or refuge to refuge. They're holding and not moving. And that's the problem. So is there a ton of different problems involved in this? Yes. And we understand that, and we'd love to fix every one of them. But we have to focus on one thing, and whenever you trace back the very changes in the regulations, you can tie that to the data, and you can see the problem and the trends. Now, we have a biologist here in our state that will justify anything he can to try to say that what we are saying is not the problem. And, I mean, he just released an article in a Louisiana sportsman saying that there was only 560 acres of this type of habitat that we're fighting against up north this past year. Well, you can go read articles and see that that is very much not true. I mean, just one of the private establishments up north, he's managing now 10,000 acres and right beside one of his lodges they're managing 3000 acres so they they keep trying to ignore the problem and i i don't understand why we can't come up with some type of resolution and try to fix this problem
1: so define specifically the change in the law that it, that kicked off this whole trend
2: well prior to 1998 These guys, it it was no problem for if you harvested your crop and flooded your field, just like us doing it with our rice fields, it was no problem. Go do it. That's creating habitat, great conservation. But where the problem came in was whenever they started redefining what moist soil units were, and they called them modern moist soil. And this was putting it to where these guys Could leave their crops unharvested and flood them well therefore you have an abundance of food way more than if me and you went out and dumped a sack of corn they have an abundance of food and it's above the water and it's not going bad so by them changing these laws and allowing this for conservation and habitat purposes further to the north well, that started changing the flight patterns and the flyway for these uh for the North American waterfowl.
1: Well, there's two driving forces behind them making use of that change in the migratory uh Game Bird Treaty Act was Number one, it's certainly good for the the businesses, the the guide services. I mean, they're going to attract and hold much more waterfowl, and it's evidence. They've got videos of it. They make claims on their websites, and it's happening. But the other part is that some of the national wildlife refuges, the sanctuaries where hunting is not allowed, it's going on there, and that's also holding the birds. And what's contradictory is while some of the managers say it, it doesn't have any appreciable impact on the migration, then out of the other side of their mouth, they say, well, if a bird has to make a shorter distance and they find better food and they return to the nesting grounds in a more healthy, heavier condition, their breeding success is going to be better. Well, which is it? Are they not going and making the long trip? Or they are, you know? <laughs>
2: it's- well, I mean, you, Don, you look at the the breeding counts, and and this is one thing that's kind of been blowing my mind, is they say that. So they know that by them stopping the birds in shorter distances, they think that is going to help them. But then they say that they're not stopping the birds. They say that stopping the birds is going to help the breeding counts. Well, the breeding counts have been going down for the past few years, at least the past three. So how is this helping them if the breeding counts are going down? Why are we spending money in the mid-latitude states? instead of going to the breeding grounds and doing more work there. I I don't understand it. I they talk out of both sides of their mouth.
1: Yeah, I I think it's kind of it looks to be a classic example of mismanagement of, of of a species and uh that's where the work needs to continue. Josh, we're going to take a break here and we come back. I want you to talk about where you and and other members some biologists and people that Uh, strongly believe in that the migration has been altered. What are some of the possible solutions in preventing that from continuing to happen where we can restore on what we would call return to a normal migration pattern of birds moving from north to south without being stopped along the way. We'll be right back. You listen to Don Dubuque, Josh Goins. This is Flyway's Foul Mouth Radio. We're back right after this. And Welcome back with me on the line is Josh Goins and uh, with the Flyway Federation we're talking about what has to be described as a, a crisis here in Louisiana, East Texas and other southern states as far as uh, Uh, Lack of migrating waterfowl that we have enjoyed for so many years. There's an alarming trend, uh, probably one of the worst years in history last year, but it's not just a single year you'd pick out. This has been a trend for a couple of decades now. Uh, A lot of the blame has to go to relaxing what constitutes either what you want to call legal baiting or supplemental feeding up the flyway, which is uh, not only attracting but holding birds there, uh, preventing them from coming down. Who knows what uh, eventually this is going to do through DNA. Uh, does it actually stop future birds from even a uh, desire to, to fly south for the winter? We don't know about that. But uh, there's a lot of variables, uh, weather, habitat loss certainly contributes, maybe more pressure. Uh, some things you can control, some things we can't. I think, uh, Josh, the uh, the argument over this, the, the legal baiting situation is, um, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with global warming. Uh, is it natural or is it man made? And I think this altering of the migration flight is kind of the same situation. Is it man induced or is it a natural trend due to weather? And, or is it a combination of both?
2: Uh, it's, it's a combination of both. But, I mean, everything, man can screw up anything, Don. And, uh, And the biggest thing is, whenever you see, especially the weather trends, and I do believe that it's warmer right now, but we had record cold temps and snow this year. We had record cold temps and snow last year. Sorry about that, Don. You must be my good luck. (laughs) Oh, I understand. Uh, You got to take them when you can. (laughs) Oh, Well, but the, are you going to have dinner is, tonight or not? No, it's kind of hard. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to have to get a set of headphones with a mic to do this. <laughs> but, uh, but I tell you what, it was good to see a group finally come in. I've been sitting here all morning watching empty skies. But, you know, the biggest thing is we have to get, for one thing, our state biologists to recognize that we have a problem. And, not only recognize, but let's try to come up with a solution for the problem. It's one thing to sit there and talk about the problem over and over and over, but he's not coming up with any solution to the problem. Not only that, we have a commission that will not recognize that we have a problem. We need our attorney general to see this issue for what it is and see it that it's a crisis, and – Let's actually do something
1: about it. Let's quit talking. Josh, uh, for people, we could go over and over the data, but, you know, it could get a little lengthy and maybe lose people in the weeds. But for people to really see some of the charts, the graphs, the trends – Uh, There's an excellent video out called Where are the Ducks? It's a little over 30 minutes. It's like watching a TV show. It won't take you long, but it's very, very informational and kind of explains it in in layman's terms. I have it on my website, and I'm sure you can still find it on Flyway Federations. Uh, What, if you would, just kind of give us the notes of what is contained in that.
2: Um, It it opens up. It it says who we are. Uh, You'll get to see some of the head guys. Uh, Dr. Mark Merchant comes on, he talks about his past experiences, and then it goes into the breakdown, the video that Dr. Mark Merchant did on his own, and going through the data very quickly. It, it's a lot of information. Part two will actually show you a lot of the spending how much money has been spent further north of us versus Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas. You know, the biggest reason this change happened in the regulations was supposedly due to loss of habitat. So why did we ignore the original wintering grounds and start building new wintering grounds further to the north? I'm all about conservation and giving opportunities to other hunters and waterfowl hunters. But it, it doesn't make sense whenever you look at the numbers. It's it's actually Billions versus millions, and, and it's it's very eye-opening whenever you see those numbers. Whenever those uh, funding numbers was brought up at the LDWF meeting in Shreveport or Bossier just a couple months ago, it was one of the first questions during the question and answering. They shut the whole meeting down and would not speak on it and just went silent and told everyone no more questions. That's that's what don't make no sense. Whenever you bring this up to them, they fully want to ignore it. But they want to talk about all these other problems.
1: You know, that's very unusual when you're talking to scientists because, I mean, they're usually ready to come up with a, a formula to first of all to get the data to fully assess the problem, and I don't think that's been done. I know you've done an awful lot of research. Have you seen anything that came up with some really hard and firm numbers on how many acres of unharvested corn are flooded uh, totally up the flyway? How much feed does each one of those produce? How many waterfowl will that feed for how long of a period of time? Do they have any of that? Because I don't see any movement to try to get a handle on it. Well, the,
2: the thing is they've had tons of studies on duck use days, and you can even go and look at these refuges further to the north, and you'll see that these these ducks, they, they'll tell you they have 6 million to 10 million on Grand Pass, for an example, Six to ten million duck use days for one season. And, And that should tell these guys we have a problem. If this is only one location, they have over a thousand different conservation areas, almost a million acres. And I'm not saying that whole million is doing this practice, but a large portion of it is, and that's only one state. You have Illinois, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota. When are they going to recognize that we have an issue and the studies are already out there, but no one will reference those studies, and if you do, they'll ignore you.
1: So the question's been posed, but there's no answer. Just it's weather and habitat related and pressure related. Yes,
2: sir, and then... (laughs) What, what didn't make no sense to me is reading Larry's article the other day, he talked about how many, he finally is recognizing that we've lost a ton of hunters. Well, that's a lot of revenue for our state and that, that we're losing. So he talks about we've lost half of our hunters, but in the same breath, he says that it's pressure because now they're able to go more places. That, that doesn't make sense to me. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm putting too much common sense into it. I don't know.
1: Well, you know, I think he's he's conceded that, you know, 60% of the Mississippi Flyway ducks used to come here to Louisiana. That's down to about 39% now. It's even more drastic on mallards. We had 30% at one time. It's somewhere between 5 and 7. We've lost 50% of the hunters. I think he's kind of – brought himself to believe that or at least he says he he understands that but yet i don't see anything that is a solution or a plan of attack to address this and turn it around i have heard and i was a little bit surprised that this may be the new normal i mean it just may be what we need to live with we just need to be happy with whatever we're going to get I'm not sure that's the right attitude for a waterfowl manager of a state to have. I'm sure there's things that could be done, and the very uh, most initial thing to do, the very first thing to do is to to take all the data that you say is already out there and reassess it, bring some other people in, uh, maybe from other states, North American Waterfowl Management Program, Uh, some independent biologists that don't work for organizations, that don't work for state agencies or federal agencies, that can be politically influenced and bring in some media people that can oversee the whole thing and get a grip on it and understand it and see what the the possible solutions are.
2: You're exactly right. We need solutions. And we're doing everything that we can from a grassroots organization's standpoint. I mean, we're, we're going out finding out this information, basically handing it to them in a, it wrapped in, and ready to go, and they fully ignore it. They don't want nothing to do with Flyway Federation. And anyone who, even if they're not affiliated with us, if they say that there's a problem, they don't even want nothing to do with them. There's no solutions put on the table for this. Now, the bad thing is this – everyone knows this past year was an election year – so it's hard to get anything done, you know, during that time period. But we're looking within the next month or two to make some big pushes. We, we were able to get some people voted in that are very much uh, supporters of us. And hopefully we can get you know, put pressure on them enough to recognize this problem and start investigating it and try to come up with a solution.
1: Josh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. I want to open up the phone lines. I'd love to hear from people that are listening. Tell us your thoughts, your comments. What do you think about it? Any possible suggestions for solutions to this problem? We'd love to share it with us. 504 260 6368 is the telephone number. If you prefer to send us a quick text, it's 870 870. You're listening to Flyway Federation's Foulmouth Radio right here on the big. Uh, WWL 105.3 FM HD 2, and we're live streaming at radio.com. We'll be right back. And Josh Goins is with us. We're talking uh, Flyway Federation and also the altered migration problems in Louisiana and, uh, even worse, the future of duck hunting in Louisiana. Is it going to go away? Will the economic losses uh, by no one hunting, uh, not getting the license money, the matching dollars, and without that, can't continue to manage the habitat, and with that comes economic loss and concern because of the sales of all all the gear and boats and motors and decoys and guns and ammo and blinds and leases that all go into this. Uh, the dog industry—so many things are affected by this. Where's it all going to end up? Uh, Ryan Lambert's joining us now. Owner operator of Cajun Fishing Adventures down in Beers. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. How y'all doing, guys? How's it going That's good what do you think about i i I
3: think it, it's twofold you know uh when I look at the the video that that Joshnam did it's very, very compelling. I mean, you look from nineteen ninety eight now and you look at the wind and the rain, and you look at everything they put together it's a very, very compelling argument. But when I talk to guys all over the north that are, are hunting in the corn, actually I, you know, I talk to them while they're doing it, and you know it's the hunting is not any better. But that's the hunting, you know. But it's when you have preserves and you have thousands and thousands of acres contrary to what they said, you know, the ducks hold up there. But on on our front, we've lost 10,000 square miles of habitat as well. So it's a twofold problem. But the problem started in 1998 when the legislature passed this new law. And the only way to fix it is through the legislature. So, you know, if you're talking to... Local guys and not getting any traction, you know, that's not where it's going to be fixed. It's just like everything else, coastal restoration and and all of it. You got to go to the very top, and that's that's what changed it in the first place. And we're going to have to go to Washington to get it fixed. You know, I'd like to see a trial for uh, three years, make them stop for three years and see what happens. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that more birds will come down. But on the other end, all of our swamps are stagnant now because nothing flows through them. I mean, you could tell just because there's no crawfish in them anymore. There's nothing in them. You know, when I was a kid, I walked the swamps back of St. Charles Parish and killed mallards and everything else I wanted. Now there's not a duck there except a wood duck. So, you know, we have to get our river systems open and, and get the habitat to where it once was. I mean, we've lost habitat 100 miles inland, Lake Cottawatchee, the almonds, all the way to Lake Buff. Between the apple snails and saltwater intrusion, there's no, no feed anywhere. So all these famous spots that used to be the cabin ash and, you know, there was the wealthiest of the wealthy guys came to hunt there because it was so good. And now it's just open water. So, you know, we have to get a handle on our habitat. And, and I really think that the only way to fix this is go to legislation, start with Gary Graves and those guys and and put our evidence there, take them duck hunt, whatever it takes, and uh and start from there because uh, we're wasting the time on a lower level.
1: You know, I'd love exactly to see right. uh, an up-to-date economic impact statement on what the losses would be. I really think they're underestimating what this state would lose all the way around if duck hunting went away as we know it here in Louisiana. That, and, and that they lose is something Lambert, that they average. Well, yeah, but I mean that's something that the average citizen, you know, people who don't understand—they—they've never been in a marsh. They don't—they could care less about duck hunting. They sleep till eleven o'clock in the morning. They don't care <laughs> about what we're talking about. But if you take their money away and say what the state and the, the revenue that would be lost from duck hunting going away—that wakes them up. Then they take an interest in it.
2: That's the only time that I could get their attention was whenever I started showing. The economic losses, and that was just by us putting two thousand dollars a year onto uh every hunter that has quit and I'm sure Mr. Ryan can tell you two thousand dollars a year isn't nothing whenever <laughs> whenever you're a duck hunter no right that's not even hey, ryan you've part. you've
3: yeah.
1: Ryan, you, you've you made several trips to Washington. You kind of know some of the people there. Maybe you could be the guy to get that started, talk to them and tell them and then, you know, and have signatures from petitions and to let them know, you yeah. know, that the constituency, really, this is a real concern. I mean, it's a crisis, and I, we're just not taking it serious enough.
3: Well, it's all about the almighty dollar. And until you put a price tag on it and, and do what you're talking about, I hate studies because, you know, you know how much of an advocate of coastal restoration I am. And we've been studying that since we built the levees. To see, and, and it, you know, I'm tired of studying. And that's why I'm doing my own projects. And, and that's what it's going to take. If the dollar rules, you're going to have to put a price tag on this and then see how it's trending downward in order to fix it. You know, that's the only thing the people in our state are going to adhere to is money. Now, when we go to Congress, it's a different thing. You know, it's uh, we can show them the money, but we can show them, you know, the economic impact to get our guys interested. But they're going to have to get someone to pass a bill, and then run it through the, the, you know, through the system. It's very difficult. Now, it's not an easy thing, but if we're going to survive, and and I'm sure that Arkansas and uh, Texas and Mississippi will come along with us. But when you get that big area in the flyway to to lobby for this, you know, it could happen, you know, but that's the only way it's going to be fixed. You're well, exactly
1: no, right. I mean, they fight. changed it. Yeah.
2: They changed it they so it can be fight. changed back. Well, they sure could end this fight meeting.
1: really quick and just tell us, look, uh, we just abandoned, you know, Louisiana. It's more important that the birds stay up further north and they, they go return to the nesting grounds healthier. And, you know, whatever happens to you guys happens, you know, and just <laughs> – let us go to deer hunting or fishing or do something else, you know. But uh, if they're really serious about it, it's, it's time to get some action going.
3: Well, if you look in our historical archives uh, in what people thought about the birds that we killed in Louisiana, we killed more than everyone else put together. Probably had more duck on us than everyone else put together. But we're so passionate about it because the people in Louisiana and Alaska still live off the land. You know, we hunt and we fish and we crab and we shrimp. We do everything ourselves. And and most people don't understand that, but but we kill a lot of ducks. We still kill a lot, but it's not, you know. I hunt every day of my life. I'm guarantee you, from Canada to Mexico and in between, and uh, it's just not the same right now as it was. I mean, this is really getting out of hand.
1: Well, you know, it we're is. better shots in Louisiana too. <laughs> Let's be honest. Brian <laughs> can tell you that. <laughs> yeah that's right back to the civil
3: war the people from louisiana was the most feared in the civil war because of that
1: (laughs) let me ask you guys something i just got a text message in and and this is something larry reynolds has added to his reasons why the decline uh they want to know about the increase in popularity of mud boats how much of a factor is that in the loss of birds my take is you know they've got the limited access areas and it shows you that the, the number of birds there is much higher per hunter on those areas but at the same time, that also shows you that those birds are avoiding the mud boats. They adjust. And I, I don't think it's got. I think what you'd lose in losing hunters if you did away with mud boats would not make up for the loss that you'd have by not having hunters in their dollars.
2: Well,
1: I don't
3: think, I think they should do away with them,
2: but. I, I the mud boats do scare them. But whenever I think back at my childhood, I mean, back then a lot of the guys were running big airboats with three fifties and four fifty fours. And, you know, if you had a go devil, you were going to soup it up to where it, it was loud. So it would go faster. But you look at Cameron Prairie for, for instance, using it for an example there, there's no one in there running the mud boat. Why, why aren't the ducks just piled up in there? it, it, we, we have that all over the state. We do have areas that are limited access or areas that no boats and no people can even go in, and yet you still see the declines in those areas. Exactly. Gentlemen, we yeah, got to take a break here. We
1: yeah. Ryan, if you want to stay with us, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back sure. after this. If you would like to call us, it's 504-260-6368. Or send us a text at 870 870. Josh Goins, Don Dubuque, you're listening to Flyway's Foulmouth Radio right here on the big WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And you can also pick us up at radio.com and click on the HD station. We're live streaming there. We'll be right back. And we also have a text message board open at 870 870 if you got a question or a comment, suggestion for myself or Josh Goins. Uh, Josh. Brian brought up a very important part about this is going to take legislation, probably on a federal level, to change the the, the supplemental feeding or baiting, whatever you want to call that. Um, what is being done right now by the federation to approach that? Are you in t- touch with any of the the congressmen or the the federal representatives that represent this state, and what has been their reaction?
2: Yes, sir. Um, Congressman Ralph Abraham. Uh, has been a huge help, and he is still working on our behalf. Uh, Clay Higgins has also been a huge help. We have been in contact with Garrett Graves. I, I've never spoken to him. I've only spoken to his assistant. Um, we have, like like I was saying earlier, everyone with the election year, it just got over, and then now we're in the holidays. But we did get some big supporters voted in at least from my area and I was told from y'all's area a few got voted in so with having state uh politicians helping us and then we have them on the federal level and us once we get past this hump and we can start trying to move forward we have people in Arkansas that are ready to go to their state legislators and try to make a big push at this and just maybe we can get enough of them on board to make a change or at least have them recognize it.
3: Don, my question is this. Go ahead. The the, the question is if it works so good – why are the numbers going down the last few years? It's because the prairie potholes in Canada is drier. And that's what controls the duck populations. Not not them being able to feed and, and go back and forth. They can go from Missouri to Louisiana overnight. No big deal for a duck. People, people trying to say, so if it's no big deal, why are they fighting it so bad? If it's exactly. not working, why are they fighting to keep it so badly? Is it to keep the ducks here? Because it's not helping the populations as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's it's keeping them up there, but it's not helping them reproduce. Water helps them reproduce. You know, you got to have those prairie potholes, the pintails. we got farmers running them over all day. You know, there, there's things that control populations besides bringing a healthy duck back up north. I'm not buying that one bit. And if it's not a big deal, why are we fighting it so badly? Exactly. Yeah, well
1: it's not affecting the population, uh, but it is affecting the distribution. And there's a big difference between population sure. and distribution.
2: Well and I I will tell y'all this, you know, this is Josh Going Salts. God intended for ducks to migrate or either they wouldn't have ever migrated. And there is different nutrients, I'm sure y'all will agree, in all these different areas. And one of the critical nutrients is calcium. And where they get that calcium is down here in the marshes of Louisiana with the oyster shells. And so that produces a healthier egg. And that's one thing that, if they're not fully making their natural migration, they're not getting all those nutrients from the different areas to go back to the prairie pothole region to have a good hatch. And now, why spend all these billions upon billions of dollars? in the mid latitude states and you know, up to Canada and not push that money on into Canada. That that's what from talking with different people from up there, that's what's not happening. And that's what we gotta see happen.
1: Uh, I got a question here, Josh you got text a text message. Uh, this is from John. He wants to know the difference between Flyway Federation and Ducks Unlimited. Do the two work together? Uh, What has been the response from Ducks Unlimited, an organization which has probably done more for waterfowl conservation than any other in history? What has been their response to the Flyway Federation? What's the relationship between the two?
2: Um, As far as in on the local level and with the guys who are doing the banquets and making moves in their state these guys know that we have a problem and support us and, and see that we need to do something about it. But as far as in the upper management of DU and Delta, there has been just nothing but justification for it. And and we, we haven't been able to get any of them to recognize or try to come up with a solution for it other than argue that it's everything else but what we're saying.
1: All right, so the next logical question is when the local representatives of DU come back to you and get in conversation and you ask them what is the reason that the upper levels of management in the organization, what has been their response to your request to say that this is a a dire situation, this is serious in Louisiana to the future of DU or Delta Waterfowl? What are they being told or are they letting you know what they're being told by upper-level management?
2: Well, I think a lot of the local guys don't know and can't get a hold of who they need to get a hold of. But whenever they have spoken with some upper management, the same justifications and excuses that we get whenever we brought it up to them or uh, sent them an email or watch one of their rebuttal videos saying that nothing's changed where they leave parts out. It, they tell the local guys the same thing to keep them on board. And I'm not saying that I want to see any of these other organizations hurt or lose members or anything, but until we get them to recognize that we have a problem and that we need to do something about it, it we're steadily going to be seeing a decline in hunters. And, and that's what their goal is, to build hunter numbers up and to build duck numbers up and to get them to migrate correctly and try to help them in every way possible and that's that's just not happening
1: well it's going to affect the grassroots membership there's no doubt about that and as i have told both of those organizations representatives that you know there may there may not be one bird that is shortstop maybe not even one i don't believe that but let's just say it's a possibility but the people here their membership their grassroots members believe that it is a problem so, therefore, perception is reality. But yet, instead of saying, okay, we're going to get a definitive answer, we're going to put the effort forth to find out exactly what the impact is, they don't want to talk about it. And that's, to me, the wrong attitude to take.
2: Well, you know, Louisiana, I'm, I'm not saying that we built both of the organizations, Delta and DU, but especially Delta, We we were their bread and butter and still are. But whenever the baiting ban in Canada was trying to be passed through, which is still they're observing it or actually doing studies like we should be doing here in Canada, those two organizations were fighting them stopping the supplemental feeding in Canada. And it was to do on one of their write-ups for 10 private clubs. And if these clubs actually cared about conservation and the ducks, and why would they say, okay, well, you know what? If if you do this and ban this supplemental feeding, we're no longer going to do any conservation. Well, if the supplemental feeding wasn't working, then they wouldn't be fighting it as bad. And if they actually cared about the ducks, they wouldn't be fighting it as bad. But it, they, they fought it in uh, Canada – these two organizations uh, very, very badly.
1: Well, all we can do is suggest that people uh, monitor the situation, get involved with Flyway Federation. Or if you don't want to get involved with the Federation, do it on your own. Contact your congressman, contact your local legislator, your wildlife and fisheries commissioner. Let them know how passionate you are about this, that you recognize the serious situation, and that you would love to see them get more involved in Arriving at a solution which doesn't look very bright right now. Josh, we've got to wrap it up here. Thank you, my friend. Great show. Look forward to doing this again with you next month and invite people to watch that video, Where the Ducks. As Ryan said, it's very compelling and covers a lot of information which we didn't have a chance to talk about. Josh, thanks again and, and thanks for being such a passionate volunteer and doing so much work uh, in, in, in trying to, to keep our waterfowl heritage
2: going. Thank you, Don. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
1: All right, Josh Goins with the Louisiana Flyway Federation. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to us all year. We'll be starting off in a new year next Saturday morning in a new decade. What does that hold for us? Well, if you like the outdoors, there's always plenty to talk about and get out there and enjoy. And so everybody else has been doing it. Let me give you my best Coach O impression. Go Tigers! See you next week.